For many of us, our lives look completely different than they did a year and a half ago. Some of us have been furloughed for extended periods, unemployed for extended periods, not able to gather with friends and family, losses of friends and family, and all that is changing, and we know that change is constant, what is anchoring you? Stay tuned. You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family and cardiovascular nurse practitioner. The information shared on this podcast is in no way intended as medical advice or as a substitute for medical treatment. There is a lot to discuss and learn, so let's start the show. Where is your anchor? What is your home base? What is that place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically that you always return to when things are uncertain? I have had so many conversations with so many different people, patients, friends, family members about being anchored right now, um, grounding, figuring out like where do we start from (laughs) Um, when we think about where are we going from here. This past year and a half has been probably the most um, multifaceted in, in manifestations of trauma for so many of us in ways that we may not have even recognized as traumatic. Um, And when you have one more thing and one more thing and one more thing and one more thing, little by little, a little becomes a lot. In my recent conversations with um, the folks I I just mentioned, um, there has been a lot of overwhelm expressed. A lot of folks who are just really like, not knowing where to turn, what to do next, because work is uncertain, housing is uncertain, money is uncertain, um, their ability to congregate is uncertain, school's uncertain for their kids, it's a lot. I attended a workshop with the Trauma Stewardship Institute um, a few months back, and, and I want to just take some time this episode to just talk about things that we notice when experiencing overwhelm and trauma, as well as what the Trauma Stewardship Institute calls the Tiny Survival Guide. And I will um, post both of these on my Instagram with the episode post so that y'all can refer to them. But first, I want to run through some of the um, signs of experiencing overwhelm and trauma, of feeling hopeless, or that you can never do enough, hypervigilance, or always being serious, anger and cynicism, guilt, fear, complicated grieving, 
lack of awe, sense of persecution, fight, flight, or immobility response, dissociative moments, inability to see options and diminished creativity, physical ailments, depression, anxiety, and other mental health considerations, chronic exhaustion, and a saturated nervous system, being pulled toward confirmation bias and away from critical thinking, lack of presence or deliberate avoidance, cognitive overload, intense, rigid, controlling, unable to embrace complexity, disheartened and dispirited, grandiosity, negativity bias and not assuming well, difficulty empathizing or minimizing, numbing, sub-impeccable, toxic conduct, compromised impulse control, addictions, and finally loneliness, isolation, and strained relationships. Listening to that list might be overwhelming by itself, but these are themes that have continued to come up um, and folks that I've interacted with on in, in many different ways. And, and so I wanted to do this episode number one because I had hoped to record um, with a guest. I, I really love doing guest interviews, but everyone is going through so much right now. It just didn't turn out to be a good time. And so I had a choice to make, you know, do I, do I record by myself or do I just wait until I have, um, someone to, to, you know, banter with, talk with, interview. But as I thought about it more and more, I thought, no, there, there's a, a thing that is happening that, that we're not really talking about in all the things that we're talking about, right? There's, Haiti, there's flash flooding, there's Afghanistan, there's COVID, there's, you know, um, kids going back to school, work, all those, all those things. But we're not really talking about grieving in real time. We're not, we haven't been talking about how we are processing all that's happening around us and what is keeping us from losing our minds you know, um, I grew up in a big family, and so my family was always my anchor. Good, bad, or indifferent, my home base was home. It was my mom and dad, my brothers. Um, as I got older, my sibling relationships got stronger, and, and um, you know, my cousins, my that was home. Home always were um, the the grandchildren of of one Miss Minnie Rainey, or affectionately called Big Mama by us. Home were the the Barons, you know the that my maiden name, um, and and home at at different times in my life was church, and having a church family. You know, so many of these things were just completely obliterated by COVID. And and so I, I early on stopped going to church during COVID because y'all know I'm in hospitals. I'm around 
um, patients who have um, chest-related symptoms. And I'm trying to rule out a cardiac etiology, but it could be something else. And COVID is one of those could be. So I have um, really isolated and kept it to family. And how does that affect you? How does that affect someone when you're isolating? Um, how do you stay grounded? How do you stay anchored? Where is home? I kind of want to take a second to go into the isolation and um, strained relationships because, you know, I'm of this generation that is a lot, well, is big on, um, you know, if it's no longer serving you, let it go. Um, some people refer to it as cancel culture. Um, it, it drives me insane, and I get into very heated discussions with uh, those closest to me about when is it okay to cancel somebody or let somebody go. And, and um, you know, I'll preface this by saying that we all bring all of our experience to any conclusion that we make or any, um, you know, opinion or bias that we have. And I have been blessed with really deep and, and close relationships. So for me, you know, it's like I'm not cutting anybody off, you know, if, if life and the way we um, grow leads us to not talking as much or at all, that's okay. But I, I don't tend to make a conscious decision like I'm um, unfollowing this person and blocking them and, and deleting their number from my phone. I just... I, I really um, love a quote by Odith Jakes, Bishop T.D. Jakes' mother, that the world is our university and everyone we encounter is our teacher. So even when someone is um, difficult, um, I feel like it's an opportunity for me to learn about myself, if, if nothing more, um, but also how to abide in conflict without always having access to conflict resolution you know how do you live with and, and get along with with folks that you need in some ways um but really might, might be frustrated with um or unhappy with in, in other ways and and i think that's one of the most beautiful things of of life is to be able to have passionate disagreements with people you love and continue in love and caring for one another. So isolation is huge. And I think isolation is, is born of a lot of different things. Sometimes it's a self-curated isolation. You know, you've cut everybody off. You've released everything that's not serving you. Um, and now you find yourself by yourself. Um, the effects of isolation mentally um emotionally and even physically is you know it, it's the same whether it's a self-curated isolation or the other kind of isolation that I encounter a lot which is elders I know a lot of elders who are incredibly isolated right now and you know I really encourage young people other people reach out to your elders call them on the phone I know that we text and we um, social media, but pick up the phone and call your elders. Ask them how they're doing. You know, we, we don't have to get into politics every time we talk to one another. We can um, love each other and connect um, in other ways. 
And uh, one of those ways is just picking up the phone and saying, hi, how are you? How have things been? Let's catch up. Um, Because they have something to offer us and we have something to offer them. It is their wisdom, their insight, their quiet um, thoughtfulness that we sometimes take for granted as them not having anything to offer, but I found that to be quite opposite. I'm caring for older people and befriending elders that they have (laughs) so much lived experience to draw from that we don't have that provides some context or at least uh, some understanding about how we got to where we are and what we may consider doing differently Um, But so many people of all ages are isolated and isolation affects life expectancy. Um, There's a lot of things that affect life expectancy, obesity, drinking, smoking, isolation is up there. And so how do we in a time where we've been told to physically distance or socially distance, how do we avoid isolation? How do we avoid isolating when we don't know other people's COVID status or their vaccination status and everything feels like a risk? It's a risk to ask because you are, you know, discriminating or singling somebody out or you may be afraid of the answer. You know, if the answer is yes and and um, you're someone who's not vaccinated, that could make it feel a certain way or if the answer is no you know um that can also affect whether or not someone's going to want to share a physical space right i have a dear sister friend i love her so much um she is recovering from surgery and you know i i i so want to be with her i want to sit with her and take care of anything that needs to be done around her home but you know she's not opted to vaccinate yet against covid-19 and it it becomes this this um really difficult dance because she's saying you can come over anytime and I'm thinking to myself, I'm in and out of hospital rooms and and patient rooms all the time. I don't want to be the asymptomatic person who gives you this COVID or COVID variant. I, I don't want to be that. And so it's it's not any judgment on either one of our decisions, but there's a wedge between us and our ability to connect in a way that would be meaningful. And I see this play out in so many different relationships. I have patients who are vaccinated and have younger family members who are not vaccinated because it doesn't make sense to them when they look at their risk benefit, um, you know, estimation as they understand it to to get vaccinated. But they're, they're older Adults in their family go, shoot, I I am in the high-risk category and I want to be protected against this. So then what happens is they are not getting together. They're not, you know, spending time around each other because, you know, some folks are able to physically distance and other folks have to go to work. So there's so many contributing factors to being isolated 
And for many people, their anchor is their community. Well, when your community is ripped away from you or when you are um, ostracized from your community or when you self-isolate from your community for reasons that, you know, um, make sense to you or, or, or to others, then what do you do? Isolation is not good for us. How do we access community if we're not... Um, you know, online or plugged in and really online communities. I'm sorry, I have to say this, but they're becoming a headache for me because there's just so much chatter, so much meaningless conversation about things that are so charged, so polarizing, um, so political. And I don't care to do that. I, I want to hear how my friends and family are doing. I want to see pictures of the kids and and pictures of them and and just feel like I'm connecting in that way. I don't necessarily want to hear their thoughts on the pandemic um which probably sounds terrible, but you know, I I could I'm probably not alone in in feeling like I could go the rest of my life without hearing about this this doggone pandemic. So, anyway, when our communities are, um, when we're when we're separated from our communities, how do we anchor ourselves? So I'm gonna talk about the the Trauma Stewardship Institute's Tiny Survival Guide, which again, I'm gonna post. But I want to share some ideas about anchoring, about grounding, about surviving all of this. And I'd love to hear from you all in the comments on Instagram. Um, Twitter, wherever you, you know, connect, if you do connect on social media, I'd love to hear from you all your comments about how you anchor yourself. Where's your anchor? How do you ground yourself? How are you surviving? And my hope is that others who recognize themselves in the signs of overwhelm and trauma might be able to glean from what some of you who are faring better are doing um, to survive right now. Hey y'all, so this evening, August 22nd at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we'll be doing the class Your Health History Part 2. Part 1 is not required, so if you weren't able to join us last Sunday, don't worry about it. You can still jump in today. The link to register is in my Instagram and Twitter bio, and the class is right at the top. We're going to be digging into our health histories through poetry through our memories. We'll construct poems. We will extract from the poems how our health and our views on health and wellness have been informed by our upbringing, by our past. This is a fun class to teach as well as to participate in for me because I learned so much about 
people and how we think about health and wellness. You're bound to learn something about yourself as well, and you'll have a lovely little keepsake to take with you. So join us tonight, Sunday, August 22nd, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for your family health history part two. Part one is not required. So if you weren't able to join us Sunday, you can jump right on in. Let's get back to the show. Some of the suggestions in the Tiny Survival Guide are protecting your mornings or whenever you wake up. Having a routine. My routine some mornings is as basic as having a cup of coffee and watching the dogs play in the yard while I just sit there and watch them. And, you know, don't think about a lot. Just that is my... um (laughs) my morning routine. I like to start my day that way. And the next one is kind of in keeping with that, but going outside, go outside or look outside, open the windows. If you have them, get on a bicycle, get out and go for a walk. If you don't live in a walkable area, uh, what about taking transportation or, or going to a place where you can just be outside in nature? Um, so rejuvenating, helping with perspective and context of something larger than this. Getting active and avoiding stagnation in body, mind, and spirit. Y'all know I'm a yogi and I love my virtual yoga. (laughs) I mean, everything's virtual right now, but um, I always love to plug the Yoga Green Book's 21-day yoga challenge where you learn a new asana posture every day and they're tiny little two to five minute videos and then at the end of the 21 days you have a whole flow um, that they can walk you through and and I I will confidently say um, that that program will prepare anybody for any yoga class and that's the yoga green book 21 day challenge I'll put the link in the show notes but Getting outside, being active, um, cultivating relationships. This um, has been probably what has kept me more grounded and anchored than anything. Uh, Those that are edifying and healthy, cultivating those relationships. It's not easy to learn how to make friends and be friends. The only advice I can offer is to show up as your authentic self. If you don't know who that is, I'm sitting with yourself in meditation um, and getting to know yourself quietly, you know, with yourself, which most of us have an ample opportunity to do right now. Um, but but cultivating um, relationships that's intentional. That means picking up the phone or sending a text. And sometimes that just means connecting um, in in depth, you know, less superficial conversations and more... Um, how are you? You know, and, and sometimes opening up the that window of vulnerability, it, it starts with being vulnerable ourselves, right? I think cultivating, cultivating relationships is huge when it comes to grounding. Um, nurturing gratitude. What's one thing right now that is going well? And I think that you know, we have to, I'm sorry, there's always a dog barking. I have three dogs. We had four dogs overnight. Um, 
because we had a, a doggy sleepover. <laughs> we had a one and a half year old golden retriever and that was so fun um, for my dogs, Blue in the Evening, my Labradors. Anyway, um, anyway, um, nurturing gratitude, I want to be careful to not to spiritually bypass. And spiritually bypassing is like not giving space to real um, feelings of, of depression, sadness, grief, some of the darker things that we deal with and, and kind of, you know, stifling that conversation with just be positive and I'm praying about that and um, sprinkling a little Jesus on it or, or a little whatever your form of, of positivity is. Um, nurturing gratitude is a little different. It's different than spiritually bypassing because nurturing gratitude is really sitting and thinking about, okay, what are the things that are really holding you and giving thanks for those things. Um, lately, um, for myself, it, it's been being outside for sure and being grateful while I'm outside. You know, I think about Italy and in the beginning of the pandemic and how folks were not allowed to leave their apartments, um, how they played music, how they connected, even in that, um, and and feeling so grateful to be able to have a, a a bigger space to to call home and and a yard and and just being able to be grateful for whatever it is that is allowing us to breathe in the moment not spiritually bypassing not trying to talk ourselves out of our grief but having gratitude even in the grief for for the little things right um, detoxing is off that is on this list of surviving detoxing. Uh, um, if navigating addictions, be wise. <laughs> Absolutely. If you are someone who drinks heavily, you're not going to stop drinking um, without uh, the the guidance and support of of a, 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 a clinician. You know, um, stopping alcohol abruptly can be fatal. Uh, so. Um, you know, doing navigating addictions, doing that wisely and with support, um, safely doing uh, whatever it is that you need to detox, you know, um, finding a tribe of people. Um, there's a, a, a IG that I like called the Sober Black Girl. I think it's called Sober Black Girl. And I really like that because um, they are so practical and so vulnerable. It's just straight talk about addiction and sobriety. And sometimes I, I think that other spaces beat around the bush with that kind of thing because there's so much shame and guilt attached to it. But I really love that that page um, because they just skip all of that and just talk straight. Um, detoxing from news and social media. Um, kind of hard to do when we're kind of isolated physically, um, but sometimes just even taking a day or half a day to not log in, to log off, to not to not take it all in because um, there can be this feeling of obligation and knowing what's going on. But you have to understand, you may not be able to process what's going on, <laughs> and and that's okay. 
It's not your job to know everything that's happening in the world and champion every cause. Um, sometimes you just have to take a step back and take care of yourself. So detoxing and in many different forms. Spending time with animals. Uh, this is probably my number one right now. I have been riding horses, learning to ride and riding in trails and um, you know, doing arena work and I am just having a blast. But that quiet time with an animal where you have to build trust without talking uh, is so precious to me. I am a feeler. I love to feel energy and share you know, energy and, and talking sometimes it's just exhausting because people don't know what to say. Or people can assume that you want them to say certain things. And that dance for me, especially of late, is exhausting. So my time with animals is is really um, saving me. It's anchoring me right now. It's decreasing stress hormones and increasing comfort. Um Let's see. This is metabolize all you are experiencing. Re-regulate your nervous system. And I could go really deep in that, but, you know, metabolize, process, um, <laughs> take apart and, and decide which parts to keep of what you're experiencing. Breathing through difficult moments, difficult um, conversations. Um, yeah, simplifying. Less is more. Being aware of decision fatigue. Um, we always say no is a complete sentence. Um, I think that goes both ways. Respecting other people's no's. Sometimes people are so great at something and we want to include them and we know they'd be great for whatever project or you know, if their answer is no, respecting that no and understanding that that is what they need right now. Um, cognitive overload. Yeah. Simplifying that cognitive overload. Again, unplugging, being outside, being around animals, cultivating those relationships can all help with that. Admiring art. Um, digital art is something new for me to consider, and I'm, I'm learning about that, but all kinds of different art. Um, if you're not connected to a local museum, look into it, because just moving through an exhibit and taking it in can be such a way of, of, of um, being transported to a different um, space or time and and going you know moving through that artist's lens of 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 what that time was was like laughing pure humor i love that um just laughing um we've gotten so serious about comedy it's so um you know censored and regulated what we're allowed to laugh at well, if we're isolated and no one's around, they can't hear you laughing. Um, but yes, laughter is, is such good medicine. Fostering humility and extending grace. I love that. Um, releasing self-righteousness. Um, it's not helpful. Uh, being a know-it-all is not only harmful to others because 
nobody knows at all and it and it you know um silences other people but it's harmful to ourselves because if you're self-righteous if you are are not humble then you don't value what other people have to say and offer which is such a gift especially in a time like this Three more things, you all. Sleep. Yes, sleep. It cleanses. It repairs your brain. It repairs your body. Um, Sleep is so restorative for so many different reasons. Um, I've harped on sleep quite a bit lately because um, the, the culture of productivity, rise and grind and all of that other silliness, it's just really been overwhelming um, especially in a time when what's going on in the world kind of calls us to slow down and process. Um, sleep is a gift and it's a means of survival. Clarifying your intentions in any space, especially when speaking. Um, how can I refrain from causing harm? How can I contribute meaningfully? And also knowing that, you know, you don't, we don't always have to um, contribute in ways that others might see as value added. Sometimes part of being in a space is consuming. It is listening to others. Um, so yeah, and, and I think that something that sprouted up um, after, you know, George Floyd's murder and everything that ensued afterwards was this saying of silence is violence. And I really think that that gave, um, oh gosh, way to so much anxiety for folks who aren't as vocal as others, um, who want to be a part of, of movements but aren't necessarily mouthpiece. I think we really need to revisit silence is violence and hold space for folks who are are not as vocal but contribute in so many other ways clarifying our intentions even when we are in a space and saying you know i my intention here today is to just listen um and and i can say as a black woman sometimes that is frustrating um because it's like You know, if everyone's here to listen and everyone's here to learn, where are the doers? Where are the folks who are going to put their hand to the plow and actually do something? So I think showing up and clarifying our intention to listen with the intent to act in other ways, whether it's um, contributing and uh, with financially or sharing resources or amplifying other people's voices, but clarifying intentions um, nonetheless to, to survive so that you're free of that anxiety that you're supposed to be doing something and others are free of that tension of what, what are you here for? Um, why are you why are you a fly on the wall? Are, are you just consuming um, for for what purpose? Um, and finally, being realistic and compassionate, being mindful of the quality of your presence means so much to others. Um, the quality of your presence. I love that wording. Um, showing up in certain affinity groups that I participate in, a lot of times I just take the first several minutes to just look at the Zoom room 
and and look at the people who've shown up, my sisters, my friends, my colleagues, my collaborators, and, and just go, you know, it, it's so beautiful to see their faces and hear their voices and know that they're here with me, that I'm not alone. And I encourage whoever's listening that you are not alone. You may be isolated. You may be physically distanced, but you are not alone. We are all going through this tremendous period of change and reassessing what it means to be present, what it means to contribute, what it means to work, what it means to rest. You're not alone. I encourage you to find your tribe, even if it's virtually and you're so tired of social media and Zoom. You can curate the content that you see by cultivating relationships, even um, social media relationships. Go through your friends. What you're seeing in your timeline is a reflection of who you're connected to on whatever platform. It's fine to unfollow some folks or or follow a bunch of other folks um, that that you've recently been made aware of um, that that foster uh, humility, extend grace, and nurture gratitude. I've talked for so long. Um, I do that sometimes. Thank you for listening. I hope that uh, the the survival guide, the signs of overwhelm, I hope this has been helpful. I'll include links in the show notes uh, to other resources that might be helpful. And I encourage you to rest, to, to grieve in real time, to process and be honest with yourself about how much the last 18 months has been to extend compassion to yourself. If you're not the person that you were at the beginning of all of this, that's okay. None of us are. I love y'all so much. I thank you for listening. Until next time, eat fresh and dance. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon. If you liked what you heard, why don't you share this episode or even write a review? You can find me on social media at DTheNP. And if you want access to exclusive content, head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work. The North Sound Health Equity Scholarship is now accepting applications. This scholarship is designed to support students of color on the path to receiving their advanced medical degrees and to increase diverse representation in healthcare in the North Sound region. If you are a student of color pursuing an RN, BSN, 
ARMP, PA, MD, or DO degree with a goal of working in the North Sound, we want to hear from you. Visit at D the NP on Instagram or Twitter. Click the link in the bio and apply. Applications are due by October 31st, 2021.